Today's podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by FitRec Fitness Professionals for Fitness Registration. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Gym Owners Fitness Business Podcast and the Women's Leaders Fitness Business Podcast. Today, we welcome back for the second year our Men's Health Panel, discussing mental health and well-being throughout COVID-19. Our panel guests are not qualified mental health professionals and information passed on throughout the podcast is an expression of opinion. We ask our listeners today that if any time you feel uncomfortable throughout the discussion and you need support to call Beyond Blue, 1-800-512-348. Today, I welcome Scott Hunt from Fitness Enhancement Personal Training, Gavin Aquilina, Fitness Pro Coach, Andrew Chadwick from Animal Flow, David Leo, Holistic Movement Coach, Owen Bowling from Crankit Fitness, Darren Roberts from Impact Training. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon, thank, you, thank you very much for all coming together. I know it's quite difficult at the moment with the circumstances, but you've all done a fantastic job coming together as a panel. Now, I wanted to get stuck straight into our uh, podcast today. And as a panel, please do feel free to answer whenever you like or perhaps raise a subject that you feel the listeners might be interested in. So we're in week five of COVID-19, and that's, that's quite obvious. And I wanted to ask each of you, as individuals, maintaining a practical, calm approach to the situation. How are you doing that in your work situation? Scott, can I ask you first, because you've actually got a franchise um, business, and so how are you coping at the moment with your work situation? Yeah, so well, there's ups and downs. I just try to focus on the fact that we're more fortunate than a lot of people, especially being, being in Australia in general, but for us, we're largely mobile personal training, so thankfully for us, we haven't been as affected as most of the fitness industry. Um, I have studios too, so that's certainly been closed. But yeah, we, we've had some upside on the mobile side, but there's been a lot of frantic, stressed out calls from myself and franchisees just trying to get the best way forwards. So um, yeah, better than some, um, worse than some, I'm sure. I think we're somewhere in the middle there. All right. So, Gavin, you obviously work with a lot of contractors and a lot of trainers. How are you keeping a practical, calm approach to the whole situation? Yeah, the first, I suppose, uh, week to week or two was pretty uh, it was pretty hectic as far as, okay, how do we cope, what do we do, and almost trying to stay ahead of the curve, um, which um, it became, yes, I suppose, really interesting in that sense. But staying ahead of the curve, trying to be as proactive as, as possible and finding solutions to problems. And really what I think i found is that it's actually been a positive, not so much a negative, because the solutions that we found are solutions that are going to exist well beyond COVID-19, and it's actually providing some really great opportunities for us on the other side. Um, you know, from a, you know, a dealing, because obviously I do some work with um, Vision as their PT operations, and we've done a lot of work with the guys as far as um, reaching out with education and communication, and the uptake has been greater than it's ever been. So there's actually been, I think, more opportunity in this. And if we've looked at it from an upside, um, I think it's been actually really positive now for those people to be able to do things they couldn't do in the past because of time. Um, and in the future, it's going to set us up for some really good success. All right, so let, let's move across to you, Darren. Darren, you're sort of on the other side of the fence. Your, your career is working with business owners and trainers and going into their clubs and providing solutions for them. How are you looking at it at the moment? How are you keeping yourself calm throughout this, but also at the same time passing that on to club owners and to sales professionals that you're working with? Yeah, certainly from my own Productivity is to be stricter with a plan for each day. Um, so we've created a working from home plan, which we're sharing with uh, our staff, but also some of our clientele as well. And I think that's really important to have greater structure than 
certainly for me that I have before that, setting a plan the night before for the following day, and really breaking that down into you know, the time I'm going to wake up, what I'm going to do before I start work, what are the outcomes that I want to achieve in the morning block, where am I going to have my breaks, etc., etc. So from a working perspective, that's important, but also uh, for me and what I've been encouraging a lot of others to do as well is to have that structure with you know, whatever they might be doing for their mental health, whether it's meditation or, or some exercise or time with the kids, having dinner with the family. So for me, it's been increasing the structure because when we're working from home, it's easy to just spend so much time doing one thing and forget other parts of our life. So that's been a benefit for me as well as uh, our staff and our clientele through the industry as well. All right, that's great to hear. Now, obviously... Um, somebody is using a pen as a way to calm themselves down. <laughs> so who's ever clicking the pen, that would be really cool if you stopped doing that. <laughs> but um, outside of that, I have to ask, um, Dave, what are you doing? Because, I mean, your whole approach to everything is quite different to the everyday person. So what are you doing up there? Well, there's actually a lot of similarities to what uh, particularly Gavin was saying here. Uh, a lot of my work is I mentor a lot of trainers, and um, but I do a lot of remote work. So, you know, but also in a centre. So obviously the centre's changed a fair amount, but the in terms of my daily structure, it hasn't really changed that much. But I think one of the key points that Gavin brought up there was that idea of routine, and that's one that I really try to instill in guys I work with to make sure they think. And the other one you mentioned too was self care, uh, because this is. Particularly those first few weeks, uh, for me and for my team, uh, boy, it was it was it was all go. So making sure that you have a good self uh, care routine was a, a really big one. And also look at those opportunities. It's a time of change, and with change comes opportunity. Certainly, uh, there has been some awesome opportunities for myself and plenty of my team as well. So uh, that's all worked. It's all working out well. And so what are you is, up? Is what, what are you up to, Andrew? Uh, so for me, it's been very hectic. Most of my coaching work with regards to travel to different countries and states has obviously been cut. So, and companies I work for like TRX Animal Flow are doing a lot of changing their course structure to go online. Um, TRX are offering a free one. And with me, it's been digging in with PT Academy and trying to get our Cert 3, Cert 4 and fitness delivery um, from a face-to-face practical component to an online component. Now, I know a lot of companies are doing online delivery. We had a, a phase where students could come to us and get that practical experience. So what I've been trying to do, which is not my favourite skill set, but it's something I've had to jump into is look at the government standard and map that to our actual assessment protocol in, from face-to-face to an online delivery and then running um, coaching classes for the students so that they can get that that information and that contact they need to get through their Cert 4 and fitness course. So it's been – I feel really busy. Um, I just feel like running around in a circle really busy, which to the guy's point earlier, I have a morning routine – um, and being a, uh, an ectoendomorphic person, I need my routine in the morning. If I wake up stressed in the morning, it ruins my whole day. So my morning routine is nothing to do with work. It's all about just preparing myself for the day. And then I usually start my work day at about 10, which is now a lot more emailing and computer messaging and, and video conferencing than it ever was in the past. All right, so... Let's discuss, obviously, you know, Andrew just said then about, you know, waking up and feeling stressed and, and how it sort of ruins the, the rest of the day for him. Obviously, a lot of fitness professionals are feeling overwhelmed at the moment and stressed because of the current climate. Um, what are some of the ways that fitness professionals can manage those feelings? Now, obviously, routine plays an absolute big role in that but what are some of the other ways that they can manage the way that they're feeling at the moment and feel free to jump in anybody can answer this first off i'll, I'll have a quick crack just um it's chatty by andrew 
it, it highly depends on the person, what drives them, what motivates them. So if you've got the more mesomorphic person, then they should get up and move and do something to kick themselves up and get themselves up and running. Um, particularly for your endomorphic people, they will need connection. So if they could ring a family man and talk to a family member or, or engage with somebody else in their community, that's really going to help that person. And for your more ectomorphic person, that calm in the morning is going to set them up really well for the day. So this is the person who might really enjoy some meditation or if they're allowed to go for a walk in their community, a nice, slow, easy walk. Um, it, I think it's highly individual when we talk about specifics for people. And if we can just group it like that, one of the things we had a call yesterday and the main thing was people wanted to stay on the call and just put other people's faces and interact with other people. So I think particularly for um, endomorphic people, they're going to want that connection. So if you could set up, if you're a coach or a PT, set up a group call once a week where you can actually get your community to chat to each other and just, not train, train if you want, just interact with other people because I know on my heel that's that's – something that we're all missing is, is going to the areas that we used to go to to interact with local people. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, Scott, what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing is, especially us all being in the fitness industry, most people are used to having that sort of social aspect. and A lot of our, a lot of clients go to gym for that social aspect as well. So now that that's been lost, not just in the gym, but also work, school, sport, everything else, I think that's really hard to fill that, that sort of void. Um, we probably haven't been as effective as most people in that respect because we sort of have that, that niche of people coming to us for 100% privacy, so they kind of enjoy that privacy. <laughs> so that's that's one lucky thing with us, but I can certainly see some of our clients and some of our trainers who are, who are, who are really struggling with actually being able to interact with people properly. Um, I think the other thing it's done is, as we said before, it's, it's seeing opportunities. So it's forced a lot of people to really jump on board technology and Zoom calls and all these great ways we have technology that some people have been a little bit apprehensive about, and that's both within the fitness industry and certainly for any of us have kids at school that we're attempting to homeschool now as well. Um, Gavin, let me ask you, obviously, you know, you do some work with vision and that means that you're working with an awful lot of people on a daily basis. How are you getting those people to manage? Because everybody's a little bit different. Sometimes you get people that are totally overwhelmed by the whole situation and then you get people that are just jumping the hurdles and moving forward. So how do you juggle these different types of personalities? Yeah, one of the, one of the biggest things that we're seeing from the guys, the owners, the managers of the studios is... In a time of uncertainty, they're looking for certainty, and that can actually create angst for them. And I think it's it's sort of almost a, an acute approach and a chronic approach to this, where it's play what's in front of you at this particular time and deal with what you can deal with, control the controllables. And it's a matter of sort of bringing yourself back and not trying to work out when is the government going to do X, Y, Z. And I understand that that was really hard in the initial phases for so many people because we didn't know, is there going to be a complete lockdown? Now it looks like there's not going to be a complete lockdown. And so there's the ability to say, okay, this is the lay of the land. And you had to almost look what happened in our industry where it was like, okay, there's suspensions, there's suspensions, when do we hit the bottom? And then there's acquisition. And so they can focus a bit more on, building their business in the short term, controlling what they can now, but then also looking at what they can do in the future. So it's not being caught in the negative mindset, it's focusing forward into the positive mindset and playing what's in front of them and trying to bring them back to that as opposed to what's going to happen, what's going to happen, because there's thousands of iterations of that and that just causes stress in itself because we can't control what we can't control. Um, let me throw this question to anybody to answer. Gavin just said, you know, bringing people back. Let's face it, that can be quite a difficult task to bring people back into a positive mm. mindset. What is a tool that each of you uses as a professional to make that happen? Uh, now, Darren, here I'll jump in. Uh, certainly for me, it's, uh, it's guided meditation. So... Uh, 
uh, I certainly don't pretend to be a meditation expert and I haven't done it for the decades or, or whatever the case might be. But certainly for me, just, you know, you hear it regularly, don't you say, uh, be in the now and live in the now was, you know, as Gab said, even from a business perspective, we can't look too far ahead because we don't know what's going to change. So, you know, from that presence perspective, um, some guided meditation, you know, I mentioned some apps previously like Headspace, Smiling Mind, Calm, Insight Timer is a, is a more recent one that I've started to use. Uh, but also some people in our industry that are doing some great things. Um, Jason Partington with Making Meditation Mainstream, um, Flick Manning with Corefintech, Edwina Griffin, all of you, know, you guys all know, they're all doing some great free opportunities for, uh, for mental health, mindfulness, meditation at the moment. So for me, that sort of allows me to assess where I am, not hide my emotions, but understand them and then, and then be able to deal with them uh, without getting overwhelmed. Is this something, Darren, that you recommend to clients? So if you've got a client that just comes to you and it's just total negativity and you know that you need to bring them back into that positive space before you can actually work with them as a client, is this something that you recommend to them? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and as Caddy said, uh, people have to find their own way of getting to their living to their potential and as you said, it may not be this, but this is an opportunity where for most of us and the people listening, our routine has changed. So it's the opportunity for all of us to go, what is my best routine? What, do, you know, what shall I try and does that work or it does or doesn't? If not, what else should I try? And to experiment, is it early morning exercise like Chaddy said, is it quiet time? To put them in their, their best position. But I'd love for all of us and for all of the listeners to talk about you know, having people not overwhelmed for us and, and the government and the media to stop you using definitive language. Mm. You know, the more we yeah. use pandemic, epidemic, crisis, disaster, the more anxiety is going to be created. But also definitive words like never, forever, this always happened, I, never, can, all, I can never do that, this happens to me all the time. And, and using that definitive language with other people, the more we can get rid of that and say, okay, I may not be able to do that yet, but I can do it, uh, is going to reduce that anxiety around people's mindset and allow people to be more proactive moving forward. Thank you for that, Darren. Um, I, I, think, I think Darren brought up like a really good point there, Mel, and this becomes like it's sort of that foundation of coaching, which is the four levels of listening and the concept of listening listening to the words they're saying, which we know is very superficial, listening to what they're trying to say, and that becomes really interesting as far as because we talk about bringing them back. It's where are they now and you know, how do we go to where they are now at any particular individual and walk on that journey with them. And so that third level of listening, which is listening to what they're trying to say, which is where like, I'm an optimist. And I've got to be very careful the way I interpret. So I've got to change my mindset to try and put myself as to where they are. And what are they actually trying to say to me? And say they do use the word pandemic or they use the word never. What are they trying to say? And try to jump into where they're at and move along that journey with them. Um, you know, the fourth level isn't as relevant, but that's you know, who they are. But that third level of listening becomes really important and going to where they're at at that particular time. Yeah, I happen to agree with both yourself, um, Gavin and Darren. I mean, I even went out onto social media myself in the last um, 10 days or so and just said stop with the negativity because you are not helping people's, you know, mental health. We need to be positive about where we're at right now in order to move forward. Um, Owen, just let me ask you something, and this is just sort of switching subjects, but something that we can all relate to. Now, the majority of people in our industry at the moment are working from home. We're trying to manage our businesses, our homeschooling, and to be quite honest, manage our partners. Now, you've sort of done this like complete 360. You've gone from having, <laughs> having a little well, well, bit... Why did you go to Owen for this? <laughs> well, because he's gone from having, oh yeah, a bit of this to do, and he'll probably have a few words to me later on about this, to having this booming, absolute booming fitness, business with Crank and Fitness. So it's gone like you you were on one path, as we know, and your path just went way over here. The doors closed. 
crank it just absolutely exploded with the straps and everything and now you're working from home you've got kids that you're homeschooling and you're trying to get your business um you know in a spot where it's it's flourishing and it is doing that what are some of the resources that you've activated at home to help you manage with this yeah great question Val. um I'm, I'm fortunate. I had a period where I was at home, but I, I use a co-working office space that has um, been able to remain open. And look, to be honest, if I was at home trying to do what I'm doing right now, um, it would be an extreme challenge. And that's that's not using the word extreme lightly. It would be very, very difficult. Um, so I, I basically had to look at what is the safety aspect, what is the risk, what are the regulations around me having a, a separate space to work, and how can I make that work? Not can I make it work, but how can I make it work? Um, I do know plenty of other people that are working from home and that are, that are making it work, but just based on the pure load of what I had to step up to, um, it just wasn't gonna. It just wasn't gonna be possible. I've got a, a three and a five year old, turning four and six. We live in a three bedroom apartment, um, and there's no escape. There's no spaces. There's no separation, um, and. The age that those kids are at, they can't, between the two of them, they can't moderate and understand the need for, um, you know, when I'm on a, an important call or anything like that. So I've been working much longer hours. Um, and, and what I'd say to people that have increased their workload as a result of this is just understand where that sits in the life cycle of your business. So I've been through these cycles before where sometimes you just have to put the afterburners on and go hard and and. The only important thing during that time is knowing that it's not going to last forever and making sure that it doesn't last forever, not being too worried about the extra workload over a short period of time and keeping some form of the key balances in your life that are important. So making sure you're still sleeping well, um, you know, going to bed at a regular time, getting up at a regular time, fitting in exercise where you can um, on a regular basis and, and then not stressing that you're actually working more than your ideal lifestyle indicated that you wanted to work because you're in the middle of a zone that is short, sharp, and intense, um, and you're taking advantage of an opportunity that isn't going to last that long, so you have to go hard. All right. So let me come to you, Dave. I mean, what are you doing at home? That, that How are you creating a positive environment? So it comes down to those different strokes and different folks, and uh, I'm actually in uh, in the office at the moment. There's absolutely no one here, but I just uh, did a remote Qigong class, which I broadcasted through New Zealand and through Australia. And uh, I don't think I've ever taught Qigong remotely before, but it worked pretty well. Um, you know, there's uh, finding joy and finding some positive time to um, look after myself and enjoy the, what's going on. It's been a lot of fun. And I've actually got a whole, whole lot of things done, which I... Uh, I've been planning to do. I pulled out a whole lot of bamboo in the backyard there. I'm looking at paints and walls at home and got some things in a car fixed and all sorts of fun things. So, you know, using the time wisely and, and, and having fun um, has been a really important thing to find that fun. Um, it has been great. I'm also uh, a big journaler. So, particularly in those first few weeks, I was writing some rather long expressive passages to myself trying to figure out how, how on earth uh, things are going to work out. But, uh, I find that a really good download for me too. So, you know, find find what works for you and, and try out everything from guided meditation through to um, qigong through to yoga or whatever you need to do to, to find your space in, 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 your, in your mind. And um, whatever, whatever works for you works for you. So what I'm hearing right now is um, anybody actually doing homeschooling or have you all left that to your partners? <laughs> well, I'm doing I'm doing homeschooling, which is um, pretty funny because I'm not a qualified teacher. <laughs> but my wife is a qualified teacher. <laughs> remote schooling people that she can't copy remote school, so it's quite it's quite ridiculous that the, the real teacher is virtually teaching virtual students, and the person who's not a teacher is virtually attempting at teaching students. So, <laughs> <laughs> no I love it. I love so that, it. That, that, that's. That's a tough balance with, with that, with, um, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to work long hours and, and like Owen said, it's a, it, it's a short-term thing. You know, We've all had time where we've, we've really gone hard on you know, 14-hour days or whatever to get a new project going or, or to overcome a crisis. So I, I just see that at the same, same as this and, um, yeah, attempting to, to teach the kids and remember grade two maths. 
Um, and, and look, I would, I would just add to that, Mel. Um, so my partner's taking the brunt of this at the moment. And what, what we have experienced and discovered over the last four weeks is that um, trying to achieve a certain level of learning and trying to sort of keep up with the curriculum and so on actually was more negative than positive for us. Um, now, our daughter's in grade one. And so our approach now is that even if we get absolutely no education for the next six months, the the long-term impact of that is going to be negligible as long as we've had a good family experience and spent time together and, and stressed a lot less than if we're trying to achieve this high level of coordinated and, and structured learning that just causes us a lot of stress. Mm. So we, we found a bit of a balance there. I think it's important for people to really think about that, about like what is the outcome that we're after and what's the risk of of stressing too much versus actually then not learning enough and finding that balance mm. for yourself. Uh, yeah, well, that is a good yeah. point with regards to stress and, and, and the ability to learn and recall information. So if you've got children at home and they're highly stressed with what's going on and you're, you're you know, I, I will never win father of the year. Um, but if you're yelling at your kids to learn harder or to work harder or to get this done, they're, they're not going to recall, they're not going to learn the information as well and not going to recall the information as well when they get out of this situation. So finding that balance between, I think what Owen said is, is really powerful, how much, what can we do well, and this goes for everybody, what can we do well and, and what do we just have to cut away at the moment to, to, to make good not be the, the, sorry, not make perfect be the enemy of good. Gavin, did you want to yeah, add sorry. anything to that before I move on to the next question? Yeah, we're, we're homeschooling and my wife and I both have full-time work, so it, it's been an interesting journey. It's actually, once again, if we take the positive out of it, it really allows you to see where your kids are at in their learning journey. And you're getting stuck in and you're understanding and it actually creates a connection. Like, they've really loved it. I mean, and you just got to make sure you, you position that time and it's actually a real positive connection with them. It's allowed us to see, you know, where they sit with maths and English and, and basically say, hey, we actually need to help them out a little bit more in some areas. And you look at the smiles on their faces by having that connection with you guys and they'd love to do it for the rest of their lives, I imagine. But it's, um, it is a challenge to work out, like, which parents on at which particular time, depending on which call and what's due. But, uh, but it, I look at this as a really positive connection to the family. Uh, it's really said, hey, guys, the world's travelling too quick. Slow everything down and let's actually really connect at home. And um, it, it's, it's been a real positive. Oh, that, I'm yeah, quite, love, I love that. that. Yeah, I think also just to add to that, yeah, we look and we talk about helping them move forward at the right rate. We also, of course, and it's well publicised and it's the same for us as well as our kids, is to make sure that they're not overwhelmed by what they're seeing and hearing on news bulletins and all those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, kids, we really need to be careful to um, to have those conversations or to protect them, to uh, to protect what they may blow out of proportion. I, I agree with that, Darren. It's so important to be there for the kids at the time because they are hearing mixed messages across social media and TV and that ends up being mixed emotions. Let's talk about our other family, our other family being our teams and our employees. Now, we know it's extremely important at the moment to maintain communication with them and I know myself as a club owner, you know, I have, I have 20, 20 staff and, um, you know, when JobKeeper and JobSeeker came out, we all had to work our way through and see how that was going to work for our club. And obviously, you know, a large majority of my team weren't able to go on the program because they all had uh, full-time jobs. Then you had to sit down and discuss, you know, JobKeeper and JobSeeker with the balance of your team. How have you guys maintained communication with your teams going through JobKeeper, JobSeeker, are you doing uh, calls with them? Are you doing like Zoom, visual stuff, texting, email, picking up the phone? Are you meeting them um, at your club? So in my in my case, I have two team members that work each day from 8 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Um, and so obviously I'm going in to teach live classes. So I've got that connection with them. But then with the rest of my team, the majority of my communication is through our staff Facebook page and text messaging. What about the rest of you? So Mel, I'll stay here. I'll just uh, 
what one of the things that we decided now uh, in my centre here is with this rapid change that's going on, we need to respond to that. So we put in a, we've been meeting twice a week uh, remotely with our guys pretty much right from when things started looking a little bit iffy. So um, we have a Monday, Thursday, even just half hour where we meet up. Plus, it's funny to meet up with my admin team a little bit more. I'll schedule stuff with them. But, you know, one of the key things is communication and getting that contact because in times of uncertainty, as leaders, we need to provide some certainty. And um, certainly one of the ways of doing that is responding to that challenge is by really upping that communication level. All right. What about you, Scott? I mean, as I said before, you're a franchise. How are you doing the communication? Yeah, we've got a broad cross-section of things. So I think my, my immediate team, which is, you know, for my, my studio and also the franchising office, that communication is fairly good because that's still, the franchising office is still, is still running. But for our mobile franchisees, yeah, they're all, um, they're all business owners, just like any, any mobile PT has got their own business. It's just that they're coming out of our franchise banner. So the support to them has been really, really critical to be that, that shoulder to lean on. Um, some are overly optimistic, some are overly pessimistic. You get that wide array of, of different different viewpoints. Um, again, they're their own business. They, they can't under our banner, but most of them had their own PT business before joining us. So just trying to keep them on track with that. Um, the other thing as well, I think, whether it be franchisee or employee or contractor, it's trying to keep everyone on board with the same future focus of where it's heading because some people are going, oh, we'll be back to normal soon. Some people are saying, face-to-face is dead, online is away. We're hearing all different things. So I think trying to get a consistent message and a consistent focus that everyone focuses on is is the best way to do it. No one uh, quite knows the best solution, but if you've got everyone in the company all going in different directions, that's not going to help anyone. So I'm spending a lot of time on the phone and Zoom calls and so on, one-on-one groups, our trainer Facebook groups, just trying to make sure everyone's heading that same that same direction. So let me throw an open question out to the panel. How do you deal with those negative staff members? All right, I'll go again then. So, <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Um, yeah, cool. Can I got plenty of stories? No. Yeah. Um, of course. Um, to be honest, it's more, I don't have anyone who's completely off target with what they're saying. And again, I'm saying a mix of employees, contractors, franchisees, staff and franchisees and so on. Everything I'm saying has got some element of how valid it is. It's just often I might go, no, that's overly negative or that's overly positive. I just try to stick to the facts. We can't we can't sort of um, predict exactly where it's gonna go. I think the dangerous thing too is what everyone's seeing going through their Facebook feeds of what every guru out there is claiming as well. And I just try to look at the facts of it and go, well, here's the direction we're taking. Here's why I think this is going to work. And we need to be on board with that. And I just keep, um, to be honest, probably pushing my own agenda until there's someone on board with that, but trying to make sure I back that up with the actual facts behind it. For example, we've been around 20 years, so we saw the impact we had when the GFC happened and then the rise up out of that. This one's a different impact, of course. It won't be the same, but... You know, I've got some lessons I learned from that that I can hopefully apply to this a lot better than that train I might be able to do if I've only been in the industry for a year or two. Yeah, we we found sort of off the back of that sort of same thing with the communication that I suppose if I look at it from two sides, how we communicated, we've gone with um, with Zoom and we've opened up sessions to our whole network and. We've had like a big uptake. Like we've had Zooms with over 300 people on board, um, and regularly, if we open up to the network, we've had you know north of 120 people on about four different calls. And what I'm finding is people are just—it's their ability to create community. Like our leadership council with Vision, we catch up every quarter, and we've been catching up every week. And part of it is simply just the ability to chat that they want to chat, they want to engage, and that helps them with their emotions. One of the other parts I feel in a time like this is people who are negative, it's that same thing. It's trying to ask the questions and understand where it's coming from. And what we know is for so many people at the moment, it's coming from a place of fear because they they don't know. And as was mentioned, they're looking for certainty. Um, 
but they don't know what's happening, and so they're, they're fearful. And it's funny, you see people change in many different ways through this time, but trying to understand and giving them more latitude than what you might normally be negative or even potentially aggressive things that they do, you know, in a franchise, I'm sure others have experienced this, what are you going to do for us? How are you going to help us? You're not, and it's it's almost an attack, but it's like, okay, we'll give you, give you more latitude in this situation because you are coming from a place of fear. Let's talk, and you don't want to be coaching in a better way, but trying to understand where it's coming from and how we can address it. All right. Yeah, Mel, Darren here. Um, I agree with our team and our members. You know, we've certainly increased the social contacts. You know, including just social zooms and those sorts of things, um, and making sure that we're having a conversation about how are they, not just how they're doing in business, but how are yeah. they, and yeah. that sort of thing. I do want to address from an industry perspective an area I'm concerned with from the negativity and potentially mental health. I'm less concerned with the personal trainer who, if they've pivoted, uh, are able to go online and still train their clients. I'm less concerned with some of the senior staff in the bigger clubs or the council facilities, which may be a full-time employee and are still doing some communication to their members. The people I am concerned with are those that aren't active at the moment, like the receptionist, like maybe the swim school instructor, maybe like those less experienced group fitness instructors, where there's, you know, and rightly so, there's been a, a, a number of people that have been chosen to do the Zooms or the live group fitness sessions, those sorts of things. But the others may not be feeling like they're included, may not be feeling like they're moving forward. And people get stuck and negative when they feel like they're not moving forward. Well, they so feel I think like they're from a not leadership wanted. perspective, to, yeah. to yeah, make sure they're doing something. Is it some further education? Is it learning to play the guitar? Is it to uh, write that book that they've always wanted to? So that and taking the dance out of the car I was spoken about before, where people feel like I'm just not sitting here waiting for something to change. I'm doing something. I'm moving forward. I'm ticking some things off, and that helps with reducing that negativity. All right, so how else can we include our teams that are on the back burner? And we haven't placed them there deliberately. Like, I know that I've opened up the doors to my team to come in and participate in, you know, live classes and taking the classes. And, and obviously, they're financially rewarded. But there are still some team members that just are sitting on the back burner. How do you drag them in and try and include them? Because it can be quite difficult. Yeah, look, I might um, have a crack at this one now. This is Owen. Yeah. I think there's an opportunity for us all to really identify the team members that are right for our business during this time, and and that's partly mm. an attitude an attitude thing. Um, so I'm not saying that you don't help team members. I'm absolutely, definitely not saying that. But what I think uh, times like this can make really clear is that there may be team members that are not really aligned with your core business values and mission. And um, you can provide everyone with the same opportunities for professional development, for learning, for involvement, for engagement, um, and it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly which team members are up for it and which aren't. Um, and that, that's not the only metric that you're going to use to decide who your future team members may be, but I think it's an interesting way to approach looking at this in terms of um, do we have the right team members in the right roles? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Oh, and I actually had quite... An interesting experience out of all of this. Obviously, we we went online to take live classes, and I opened that up for everybody to have that opportunity. And I was really, really surprised at the amount of my own group fitness instructors who were happy to teach in the group fitness room when the club was open, but the moment they were exposed outside of those four walls into the community, into the nation. Globally, it was absolutely, no, I'm not doing it. I'm really sorry. No, yeah. I, I don't even want to be filmed. And I really thought, wow, this is an industry that is supposed to you know, inspire everybody. And I thought, I truly thought that I was doing a, a great job with my own instructors. But obviously, at some stage, I've missed a really important element and I haven't made them feel comfortable enough to teach outside those four walls. Has anybody else experienced that? Yeah. Hey, yep, Mel, if, if you think about what we've been speaking about, uncertainty, to, to get out of where they felt comfortable makes them feel uncertain. So they're not, 
they're going to have a, a fear about stepping in because they're not ready to face it yet. They're, they're not ready to go down that path and as supportive as we think we may be, that person, that was their point of certainty, taking that away from them and, and then just giving them another opportunity. It is not safe for them. And it, you know, they, they're feeling threatened because they're about to lose their job or their world's changing. And go, hey, but he tried this and they're going... No, that's I don't I don't feel safe stepping into that. So you can kind of see it from their point of view what they're thinking. That they're going, no, I don't want this because I don't feel safe here and safe plus sorry, unsafe plus unsafe equals more unsafe. I'm fairly sure that's the correct math on that. So all right. So before I go to the next question, then let me and anybody can obviously answer this. What's missing in industry education? that allows a person to feel like that? That, that allows them to feel unsafe or scared yeah, to take to, the next to, step? Yeah, to take the next step. What have we missed, Darren? Because we have a lot of, you know, industry sessions, we have conventions, we have everything. And one thing I have learned out of the current climate is that the, far, the fitness industry has not prepared a lot of people, if not a majority of people, for crisis. So what, what, what element is missing? in the educational system in our industry that stops people from stepping up? What haven't we taught them? Yeah, I refer to uh, one of my mentors, uh, Darren Hardy, who just done a training just the other day, referred to four zones that we're living in, and yeah, it was a suggestion to reflect in which of these we're in. And the first one is fear. So if something changes, uh, we're not sure what's going to happen, we don't know what the outcomes are going to be. And then the next step is learning. So in your example... Potentially the person thought, oh, this is the outcome that, needs, that I'm being asked to do is to present online and I've never done that before. But was, was the learning offered? I'm going to teach you how to do it. I'll teach you how to set the video. I'll teach you how to connect the music, etc., etc. So there needs to be that learning component. Then if they move into that and they're less fearful to do so because they've got that learning component with them, it moves them into that growth stage, which similar to what I was just saying before, they feel like they're moving forward, they've learned something new, it creates a bit of momentum, which then creates the leadership aspect where they're helping other people do that. So, you know, I think you're right, Mel, in the industry it's been the online versus the face-to-face, <laughs> and, and certainly the face-to-face traditionally is bad the online, where now we've all quickly gone to online, but has the learning taken place in how to present online? If it's a business and you're trying to acquire new clients, how to sell online, how to, you know, make sure there's no follow-up, but to have that conversion straight away, if it's from a group fitness or a PT perspective, how to get that engagement through the chat box, how to get that feeling of community. So I think... The fear is there because you've asked people to do things without necessarily as an industry helping them to do it and providing that learning. Uh, but, and this is just because Gavin's on the line. I work with a lot of vision clients and studios as well. And I think a lot of the positive feedback from them has been that their HQ moved really quickly on this and supported their network and provided a lot of that learning. So I'm hearing some really good stuff through, through that vision network about HQ because they provided the learning, not just gave them a outcome to achieve. Right. I, I don't think this yeah. is just fitness industry, Mel. I honestly think if you look at anybody who, let's take uh, uh, someone who's left their job for whatever shape or form and then they've gone, well, now just do this. It, it's not, for a lot of people, they haven't had the time to, to work out. They were, they were happy with what they were doing. They were happy with their one-on-one coaching business. And some people probably had a successful group fitness business, they had a successful one-on-one coaching business, they had a successful whatever type of business, and then all of a sudden, that the, the pivot word has been thrown around willy-nilly, they've had to go, no, this is not it, and then they've just, oh, well, here's this other opportunity, they haven't had time to, to, so I don't know whether it's a fitness industry thing, what skills haven't we given them, we gave them the skills that they were happy sitting in, now those skills have been taken away or changed, and their fear is about, or, or, or their trepidation is about literally, well, this is what I was doing, and now you're just saying do this. That's where they may not be prepared to go into that next step because it's the, the change was so stop go. Yeah. yeah. I, I, over, yeah. Over, so over those five weeks, we've asked them to do lots of things. And initially, this is what I've seen with the industry, is that initially it was, oh, my goodness, how do we look after our current clients? 
what do we do to keep them on board, at least keep them connected, in, in some cases, hopefully continue to get an income. All right, what do we need to do to do that? Then that became, a week later, it became, all right, uh, not only do I need to serve them, I need to try and maintain an, an income and rather than put people on suspension, keep giving them the value so they keep paying their membership fees. And then a week later, I went to, okay, uh, we still need to grow the business. How do I now go and grow clientele, sell online, etc., etc.? So even in that period of time, there's been three tasks, all of which are probably new to them, that we've asked them to do because things move so quickly. But I, you know, I agree with what the guys say. Have we given them the learning in each of those steps to reduce that fear so they do it with confidence? Mel, it's, it's Gav. Yeah. I, I look at, like, if somebody does something on stage to a group of people and we say, okay, well, why do you do it? And it comes down to science the next thing, the, the whole why. And, like, in some of our trainings, we try to go even deeper because I want to, you know, inspire people. Okay, why? And... Trying to get people to really go back to their childhood and what is their driver as to why they're actually in this industry. And I think sometimes so many of us, we live on a superficial level and we do things without understanding. Now, why do a lot of us get on stage? Why, why do, for us as, as presenters, why do we present? Because it feeds our ego. Um, and for a lot of people that hop on stage, it, can feed, and it feeds their ego in that situation. But why do they get up there? Why do they need that? That can be a personality-driven thing. They are inspiring people and making them feel better, which helps, and it sounds negative when I say feed the ego. We've all got one. I know I do, and, you know, it's part of the reason we get out and presenting. But if people really cut down to the why, and if they're there, and say we look at it, which is still sort of superficial, I'm there to inspire people, they're understanding that if they're not doing the presentation, they're not doing that training online, then they're not able to inspire people, and so, therefore, their why isn't actually being met at that time. But if, if we really go deeper into our industry and understand why we're actually in it, you know, it's a pretty amazing industry. And in a time that we're actually needed more than ever, uh, we've really got to step up to the plate. And those people who understand that they can have such an impact because they understand that why at a deeper level as to why they actually started, which draws down to their childhood quite often, will actually step up to the mark and really step out of their comfort zone to do things that they may not ordinarily do. I agree with that, Gavin. And just closing off that question, I still feel that the industry hasn't made people feel comfortable with the reflection in the mirror, hence they mm -hmm. don't, they don't yeah. want to teach outside of their own comfort zone. And their comfort zone is their club where they're accepted as a trainer or instructor. But the moment that they open themselves to criticism outside of those four walls, that's something that we as an industry haven't made people feel comfortable with. That's yeah. my that's my opinion. So well, I think um, that's society, <laughs> not just as an industry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. So let's move on to the next question. Financial hardship. Now, every single one of us has been through that at some stage in our career. What is your best advice or some solutions that have helped you in your career when you've hit that wall with a few financial issues? Um, Gavin, I'll go with you first. Um, I've actually turned around and it sounds bizarre, but say there's a debt or there's something that's accumulated as a result of financial hardship, I actually create a plan to say, okay, if it's going to take 18 months for me to get over this, well, each week I'm paying whatever it is, 200 bucks, $1,000, whatever it shall be. And every payment I actually see as a celebration because it's getting me closer to that end point. And I've got it mapped out. I can see it coming up. And so trying to, once again, flip it and see that every payment isn't, oh, shit, I'm losing money, but I'm actually getting closer to getting past this potential issue at the moment. So that's, I suppose, a way to look how to come out of potential financial hardship at that time. Um, yeah, and there's obviously other things that can really cute circumstance to, to manage, but that would be my long term if we do fall backwards to understand that and it, it can be turned around and say, well, for me to accumulate or get back to where I was pre-corona, it's going to be 18 months. Here's my goal. Let's map it out. And once again, on a week-by-week or month-by-month basis, this is what I have to do to achieve that outcome. Or this is the debt I had to take on because of corona. And so, therefore, if I pay 
X dollars off every week, I can see myself getting closer and closer to the finish line and that debt will be gone. Owen, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I found a couple of exercises quite useful, Mel. I've been, throughout the years, been in different situations where, you can, um, to Gavin's point, you actually you don't even have the ability to have a plan because you don't know whether or not your, your cash flow is going to even survive. Um, but what, what I found really useful was an exercise where you actually sit down and you map out worst-case scenario. So what is the actual worst-case scenario? Now, depending on where you live in the world, um, this can look very, very different. But for people that live in countries like Australia, we're very, very lucky. Um, we have social security net. We have all sorts of systems around healthcare, etc. That that our worst-case scenario actually often doesn't look that bad in the grand scheme of things. And by mapping out, if everything went wrong, if everything that could go wrong went wrong, where would I actually be? And what is most important to me in my life? Now, when you do that, what you find is that most of the negative things related to your worst-case scenario actually don't significantly impact the things that are most important to you. And I'll give you an example. So if, um, if the worst-case scenario was that you lose your house and um, you, know, you have to go live with your parents, again, even with your wife and your kids, but, but back in with your parents... But the things that are most important in your life are your relationships, having a loving family, being connected with people and, and some other things. Well, actually, your worst-case scenario doesn't really negatively impact any of those things that are most important to you. And by mapping that out, you often see that um, it gives you the confidence that actually I can handle the worst-case scenario. Uh, and that's only the first step. You don't actually have to figure out how you're going to move forward, like Gavin said, but just not having that dreaded fear of, oh, I'm going to lose the house, I'm going to lose this, because the things that are most important to you, actually, you still keep. Your health, your relationships, loving family, and all those other things. Scott, would you like to add to that? Yeah, sure. No, I think that's a really relevant point. And I think the big thing as well is, is really look at what is actually within your control. There's a lot we can't control within this, but as a whole, if we're working hard and we're working smart, most people tend to come out of things fairly well, bearing in mind the things that we can't actually control, of course. There's, especially now in you know, the year 2020, there's an infinite amount of free resources that people can do to upskill themselves and learn more things, become better at what they do or, or change careers. And you can do it 24-7 for free. It's an amazing opportunity to, to do that. And I think the people who are doing that are really going to make the most of it. And you know, it might take a year or so, but they will come out on top for that as opposed to a person binge-watching Netflix who may not quite come out quite so well and blame coronavirus for it all. And you compare that compared to what people had you know, 100 years ago when Spanish flu was all those comparisons going around. There was no opportunity like that to jump on the internet and learn a new skill to get a new job when this is all over. There just wasn't those opportunities. So I think if people actually make the most of all the amazing things we've got free and even government-funded, then they're going to come out on top, it's just about how much pain they've got to go through to actually get to that end point, I think. Now, um, gentlemen, uh, Andrew and uh, Darren or Dave, did you want to add anything to that before we go on to our final question for today? Yeah, I will quickly. Darren, you go Thanks, Mike, Darren. Yeah, so, yeah, certainly from a growth perspective, yes, it's putting that plan together, knowing you know, how many clients do I want to look after or can I look after, how much income do I need, what yield therefore do I need per client, what are your KPIs and have an action plan. But also I think this time has taught us and it certainly taught me how little we really need to live off, how little expenses we have currently from a personal perspective, not necessarily business, but from a personal perspective and what's really important. So, you know, when things go back to normal, do we need to go back to our normal expenses or can we save some of those expenses to you know, put us in a better financial position. Dave? Um, I, oh, Dave, you go. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> those, are, those are really solid. I mean, one of the things, I mean, I think everyone's been down that road, but I actually saw it as a personal challenge, and we've all had personal challenges, and certainly, you know, a lot of us come from sporting backgrounds, and you rose to those challenges. This is just another challenge. So see it as that. Don't see it as... as as the end of the world or whatever else you might want to highlight it is, it's just a challenge. How are you going to get through it? What are you going to plan to make sure it happens? Just reframe it and go kick it ass. <laughs> go kick it ass. Well done, buddy. Um, what, what I find helpful and, and through some of the crisis personally, 
that we've probably all been through, but what's, I've always had something to go and do, whether it was playing football or martial arts or... So finding something in your life that is a consistent and showing up and doing it, even if your emotional state at that point in time isn't the best, um, putting a uniform on and just going out and doing something that you can find is a constant because that one constant in your life will give you a form of safety. It's something that you know, it's something that you love and it's something that you've fallen back on in hard times and good times. So having the, like for me, I will often pull my gear out, take my ute out of my garage and just start practicing because it is something that I have that I've worked hard for and achieved in. But when I'm down, that's something that I can go, right, well, here's something I can do. I know I can do it and it is a constant in my life. So finding something that, you know, if, if you are so emotionally down at that point in time, you can't bring yourself to create a spreadsheet. You can't bring yourself to, to look at your finances that you physically just cannot. What is that one constant thing? For a lot of fitness people, it's obviously exercise. So what is that constant for you that you can go to and just have one for one thing that you can control, one thing that makes you feel safe on this planet? Um, and go and do that, even if it's for 10 minutes one day. Just uh, change your state, go and do that. Thank you for sharing those tools to all of you. I've got my final question for each of you. The future of the industry where are we heading? It's the, the question on everybody's lips at the moment. Who do you think will be the stayers? Who do you think will disappear? And what are some of the opportunities that you see out there for 2021? Gavin, I'll start with you first. Um, I know that, yeah, unfortunately for those who are just startups at the moment, that there is challenges that are in place. I know... You know, for some, even some of the chains that are large in the US have, have had to modify their structure here in Australia or actually give up the master franchise for it. But so there's challenges for those who, who weren't well embedded because the cash flow wasn't there. But I actually see us coming up the other side of this really, really strong. Um, I think the industry is going to come out very positively. Um, I think there's going to be more avenues for people and even potentially. God forbid, maybe even more people participating in exercise because, ironically, just observationally, more people are actually exercising now than pre-corona because they're stuck in the house and they go, well, I'm going to get out and go for a walk. I mean, how often have you walked past a bike shop and seen a line out the front door? Like, I've never seen it, but I've seen it regularly now. So I think there's a real upside for, I suppose, our industry. I think there's maybe even a real upside for, hopefully, society as well that there's a better emotional connection at home, that people are getting out and participating in movement more with their family. Um, and obviously we've tapped into the online area. I, I think there's going to be uh, a more global industry um, happening for us as well. So for our industry, I see us as being one of the real drivers um, as we start to come out of the other side of this. Thanks, Gavin. Scott, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking at those opportunities too. I think as far as who who makes it through this ride and, 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 and who doesn't reopen, I think not just our industry but, but, but the world in general, the businesses that are already set on the edge and they're struggling through a little bit, I think a lot of those ones won't actually reopen because it's going to be the name on the coffin for a lot of people. Um, and that's terrible because they're all individual humans, so that's that terrible. But I think the good thing it does do for the industry is it means it, it, it looks after the better people in the industry. The ones who are perhaps grading our industry down a little bit might not reopen, and then that's going to raise a standard within that whole industry, which I think is a really, really good thing if that happens. There's always many debates about the standards of places out there. Uh, it could also mean less competition. We just we just don't know. So there's some people saying, you know, a recession lets people have money to spend on luxury purchases like fitness and especially personal trainers. But if there's less people in the industry, it might all even out. We just we just don't know. Uh, totally agree as well about the opportunities with um, the growth of people doing exercise. And I think the mental health side is a big one too. There's been just over the last five years, been so much more awareness about. Exercise, mental health, exercise for seniors, all those different things. I think the next five years of growth we're going to get in that is going to happen in about five months. It's already happening now. So I think 
if this sort of speeds up that process of more awareness and therefore more people exercising for reasons beyond just what they look like in the mirror, then that's that's a really, really good thing. And I think the businesses that are proactive to jump on board that and um, make the most of it, um, I'm sure there'll be winners out of that. There's, there's bound to be losers. Any, any crisis does have winners and losers. And, um, yeah, I'm sure everyone here can be one of the winners in it. Thanks, Scott. Andrew, what would you like to add? And I'm really hoping that people actually see the value in face-to-face kinesthetic coaching where they can interact live and get those those interactions and cueing tips that you cannot get um, online. So, for example, running a, a suspension training course, you cannot go over and adjust somebody straight away and have them feel the power of the correct technique you can cue and cue and cue. Some people are kinesthetic learners. So I'm, I'm really hoping that people go, you know what, I want to learn how to do this and I want to learn how to do it well. Online is a great start. Now, To me, it's like trying to learn martial arts out of a magazine or online. You, you don't know what you don't know until you have to go through it physically and get taught physically 100% correctly. Um, and I also think that personalization is going to be a huge thing going forward, people um, have more information now than they've ever had access to. I think people are going to want to get away with the, the one rule applies to everybody sort of tip and the generalisations around nutrition and when to work out and when to go to sleep and, and I think that will hopefully long term go away and we can make a, a better service and increase our worth as an industry by creating better solutions for people. Thank you, Andrew. Dave, what would you like to add to that? Oh, look, don't wait till 2021. There's, uh, <laughs> there's a, a few months left in this year, so let's get into it a little quicker than that and become winners in this one. There is opportunity out there, uh, and those people who want those want to come up to the challenge and take it, uh, it's there. So go hunting, go be a winner. <laughs> Owen. Good, mate. Yeah, look, it's really interesting. I've been having conversations with some of the big gym players around the world uh, and there's a lot of different opinions about are we going to be able to just reopen, are we going to reopen but there's going to be heavy restrictions and then what happens when there's a, a re-outbreak in regions that didn't do it well um, and have to close again. And so what I would say is that there's a couple of things that will determine those that really are successful coming out of that here. One is those that are, that are agile and that can adapt um, to, to those changing situations. But the others, uh, the other thing to consider is digital CSA. I, I think what's happened with gyms shutting down worldwide has just accelerated the digital conversation. It was already here. It was already knocking on the door. It's just accelerated the time frame. It will never go back to the way that it was before. And so the businesses that understand how to incorporate digital into a complete user experience, how do you bring the gym into the home and the home into the gym? How do you create a on-brand user experience that protects you against your facility being shut down periodically in the future and provides an amazing experience with amazing people in your gym when people do come in, but also facilitates... Uh, excellent training at home through digital platforms. And this is going to require more than just sticky tape, sticky tape sort of digital solutions and at-home training portals that have been kind of flung together by a lot of the industry players. It's going gonna, it's gonna to need more planning. Uh, it's going to need more financial resources to create. And I dare say we're going to see a lot more of, of on-brand, customised at-home training products that allow gyms to deliver content to people at home but they don't have to rely on everyone just doing squats and push-ups and burpees all day long. Mm. Fantastic. And Darren, finally. Yes, the businesses that will be challenged when we reopen are those that are not having sufficient enough contact with their members, not just from a prescribing perspective but just a value-add, supportive, connection, community-based environment. Those that will come back and, and I think it's the time of the comeback of you know, maybe the mum and dad health club or the less you know, corporate chain because the consumer tends to, be, tends to feel that they trust them more, the, they've got the community 
at heart, they might be feel that they're cleaner. So I think there's an opportunity for that. I completely agree with Owen that um, digital is here to stay. And like he alluded to, the consumer is giving us a bit of freedom at the moment to say, gee, if our online isn't as sharp as uh, they'd probably like, that's okay because it's been such a rush for most people. But as Owen said, they'll continue, but then they'll expect expertise, not just a fluffy prescription, but absolute expertise and great value online. And I think the last point is that if our listeners think that they can just reopen the club and everyone's going to come back in and be business as usual, they are kidding themselves. Um, first of the government may put some restrictions on that, but also the members are going to reflect on, do I want to continue to train at home? Do I want to try somewhere else? Do I want this different experience? So I've got to be almost in pre-sell mode to keep that communication really strong and make sure the consumer knows why they should choose them to come back to rather than someone else. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally, Darren. I think now is the time to start preparing uh, even if your club's not going to open, you know, in two or three months' time, you, ne- you need to start preparing now. You need to stay connected to your community. Um, in our own club, we are constantly sending them text messages. We're out on Facebook every day. We are sending them emails because the reality is just what you said. Not everybody's going to return to your club because not everybody's going to have a job. And at the end of the day, our members aren't our members any longer. They're in a holding pattern. So they are now a consumer who is out there shopping and they're going to have a lot to shop at before they make a final decision about where they're going to rejoin. So it's all about connection, collaboration and community. Today I have spoken to Scott Hunt, Gavin Aquilina, Andrew Chadwick, David Leo, Owen Bowling and Darren Roberts. They've done an absolutely tremendous job at giving you some fantastic resources and tools to help you through these uncertain times. But what I would like to add to that is Beyond Blue has a fantastic support service that offers short-term counselling and referrals by phone and web chat. The phone number is 1-800-512-348. They have some great resources and tools, I repeat, at Beyond Blue to help you with stress, anxiety, perhaps financial hardship during the coronavirus pandemic. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time this afternoon. I will be dropping all of our panel's details in the bottom of our podcast. They've done a fantastic job. And I thank you again for your time. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, Have a good day. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah.